0: You are listening to the GMO Truth Podcast, straight out of the Walk-A-Mile Project, brought to you by non-profit film company Change the World Films. Tune in here to discover the truth and change the world together. Hello, this is Eric Battersby at Change the World Films, back at you with GMO Truth number 13, easily our most important podcast to date, and it is jam-packed, so we'll jump right into it today. This episode is also more of a short film than it is a podcast. And let me say this up front, and I'll say it again at the end. This is the podcast you share. Spread it far and wide. Share it with family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, everyone and anyone. And you will want to share it after you see the video here. Because today is the day we start down a new path of clarity in the GMO controversy. So let's get right into it, and I'll be back on the other side of the video here for more. Almost exactly three years ago, we kicked off the Walk a Mile Project, with our first documentary focusing on the controversy over GMOs in our food supply. After a whole lot of research, hard work, and a little serendipity, we're now starting to see a clearer picture of what's happening. When we started, I always told people that I really hope GMOs aren't causing health problems because they're everywhere in our processed foods that so many people eat, especially in America. Unfortunately, we now definitively know that's not the case. GMOs are making some people sick. For all the talk on safety despite no testing on humans, for all the talk of a scientific consensus on something never tested on humans, and for all the overzealousness that's come from multiple directions in this controversy, the real point of digging into this situation can get lost, despite the fact that everyone should be looking at the same thing, the simple truth. And in this case, the simple truth is that the food we produce always just comes down to one thing, the people who eat it. That's why we created it in the first place. And people, that's what the Walk a Mile Project is all about. It's about tackling one big problem at a time by eventually breaking that problem down to the people who the problem actually affects and then walking a mile in their shoes, in the shoes of those whose lives have been changed by it. They're the ones who can offer the loudest voices in our quest to fix what's broken. And today, for the first time, We're introducing you to three courageous people who are offering very loud voices in our effort to resolve the GMO controversy.
1: So my name is Brittany, and I'm a physical therapist.
2: We've been in Arizona almost three years. I work with special needs children in the school system, teaching them to stand and walk and all kinds of really awesome gross motor skills. Probably Got the you. best job I've ever had in my life. Oh, really? hmm I don't know if there's... I feel like I've had health issues with food. I really, truly feel like in my entire life. I've always been the girl that's had headaches and stomach problems after eating, but I kind of thought it was normal. Hey,
0: so going back to to so like eating, Oh, yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, I've probably had issues with that stuff since 10, 11 years old. Okay. And didn't really make a change until I was... 28 I would get super tired. My I would get really bad stomach like cramps and stomach problems and then the next day I'd wake up with a headache. So I had a headache pretty much almost daily for like the past like 10 years. Wow. I don't
3: think
0: we've talked about that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Okay. But like for me I had no idea how miserable I felt when I ate until I didn't feel like that anymore. I just literally assumed like it was normal to feel like garbage after you ate.
0: Okay, and how, how soon after would you, would you you'd eat in how, how much time would it About take? About 30 before?
2: minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean I literally was taking like Tylenol or Advil every morning c- to get rid of the headache and then just after I ate like it would be a couple hours then before I felt like good again. You know, nobody wants to like feel super tired and feel like crap after you eat, you know what I mean? Like, so every day it was kind of dealing with that. So, I don't know, but I just literally thought it was normal. <laughs> Which sounds really dumb when I say it a lot now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, because now you know.
2: Right, like, I mean, but you unless you take it away and really, truly, like, figure it out, you have no idea that that's not normal, honestly. <laughs> that's when I read an article about, like, some of the symptoms if you have a gluten intolerance and kind of talked to tony about it and i was like how i was like what do i do and he's like let's just go on an elimination diet for three weeks see what happens and then that was kind of the light bulb that went off and everything kind of changed
0: okay and at that time so just going through the, the elimination diet and taking the gluten out you saw What level of improvements were you looking at then, like, was it drastic?
2: Oh yeah, within a week, probably like, yeah, six, seven days. Even Tony said he was like, you feel better, don't you? And it was like night and day from how I was feeling before. Okay. Yeah, which was awesome, but then kind of terrifying too, you know what I mean? Like, that food was causing me to be so miserable. So, I went gluten-free and and we'd probably been doing that for like a year, um, just really being careful here, and then I started to get symptoms back again. Like, I'd eat rice and i get sick. So then I thought it was an issue with grains. And so I did a lot of research on people that went gluten-free and they said the same thing. Like, after a year, like, they started having issues with other types of food. So I was like, well, that's annoying. And so then, like, I eliminated grains and then it was better. And I don't know. They're just kind of... I still didn't... Like, I felt really good for, like, a year and then I, like, still had some issues again. And so I was like, okay, is it not gluten? Is it dairy? Is it some, is it soy? Like... So we went to Mexico last, like a year ago. And like a few days in, I, there was like just this bread that looked like insane, right? I mean, you know that kind of bread, like that you just want to die. Is that just me? So I was like, you know what, I'm in Mexico, I'm just going to eat it and I'm going to feel like crap and I'm just going to do it. So I ate it. And I waited. And then like 30 minutes later, I felt fine. And I was like, bring some more bread!
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so I ate a ton of bread. The next morning I ate like six pastries. Like I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but...
0: You're going through withdrawal. <laughs> it's literally been years.
2: Yeah. Once you're a junkie, you're always drinking regards to food. Let's see. Let's get that straight. Um, so then I was like, why can I eat everything in Mexico? And it doesn't make me sick.
0: So it, really at that point you're thinking, you've got to be thinking wheat, like Mexican wheat versus American wheat. Is yeah. Really and I was like was? doing
2: some research online and like just to see like if other people, you know, and a lot of people were saying the same types of things. So then that's when, no, that's actually when like, I first started to see stuff about GMOs, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting.
0: What made you finally decide to just try the the GMO, the non-GMO?
2: I didn't, like, I was at actually at a bachelorette party and there was a bunch of food and somebody was like, you should just eat these pretzels. Like, you should just try them and, like, see what happens. Because they're non-GMO, like, maybe, like, literally somebody else just, like, said it. And I was like, no. Is
0: that the pretzels?
2: These are the pretzels! The magic pretzels!
0: Okay, so we have the, and you just, it's the non-GMO verified. That's yeah. That's what triggered it with that label? hmm Okay.
2: So I tried some pretzels and I waited. And like 30 minutes later, I was fine.
0: And that, for you to have that happen, to Italy, like, pretzels, and be in the U.S., it's yeah. like massive, yeah. novel, that, like, like, that it never happened?
2: Because don't these, they say they contain wheat? Yeah, they contain wheat.
0: First ingredient. Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: So then it was like, interesting. So then I wanted, because I, I love rice, so then I got non-GMO rice, and then I was fine. Rather than just like regular brown rice.
0: Where is it at now? What What is the gauge now where you can say, I can safely eat food in the US and not get sick?
2: Only if it's not, like, I will only eat, I don't know, like wheat products or, well, you know what I mean, like, that are non GMO.
0: So are you looking for that non GMO mm-hmm. verified label mm-hmm. or organic? Yeah. And those two things? Yep. And you haven't had one health problem if you not follow one. those two things? Wow. Crazy. And that's been since. What, last? June. Since last June.
2: You ready?
0: And GMOs have been on the food supply since
2: 1996.
0: So I was 10! So then you st- said since 10 or 11 was mm-hmm. when you mentioned it? How do you feel about the fact that you didn't, you couldn't figure that out for so long, right? Like, you didn't know to look for that. Anywhere
2: else, right. There was
0: no clear way for you to know that a GMO thing could be a problem. Did that, you know, was there any kind of...
2: Frustration. Right. Kind of, yeah. But I kind of think I just really, truly didn't know, like, where else to look or what what other issues could be, you know, because I don't feel like it's a topic that's talked about much or that people know much about like even gluten-free like that's I feel like that's not I want to say becoming popular but becoming way more relevant just in the past five years than before really you know like you go to the store and there's whole huge sections of it so and to be honest like well I mean gluten-free is not cheap either but it's really not you know I mean it's not cheap to be gluten-free and non-gmo and organic but you have to just decide where your priorities are If I go and buy, like, organic graham crackers, I'm paying three times as much as if I buy regular ones. You know, and to me, that's kind of crazy. I'll do it, because who doesn't love a good s'more, but, (laughs) like, I just think that's kind of crazy.
0: You're basically paying a premium just to stay healthy.
2: Right, and to feel, yeah,
0: better. And should you have to do that? Right.
2: I mean, I will, but, you know, because what's my other option, really, but you know, my grocery bill is probably twice as
1: much as somebody else's, you know, and with less items, probably, but... yeah. I wish that one of them kind of had problems like I do, and maybe they do, because, you know,
2: if they had to go through what I do and had to feel so miserable to finally feeling really great, I think then, for them, they would actually get it and realize, like, oh, yeah, this is an issue.
0: At, at any point in your health adventures here, or misadventures, whatever you want to call them, have you, uh, have you contacted the FDA to tell them what you've experienced? No. You have not? I have
2: not. <laughs> Nobody told me to!
0: Okay.
1: I've contacted you. <laughs>
4: I'm Audriane. And? and I'm Jamie. I'm really active. I like to do a lot of fun activities. I like, I love art. I love sports, and um, I love making people laugh. I'm a comedian. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed.
4: <laughs> and so I really just enjoy, even when people really don't feel good or they're like in the dumps. I just really like putting a smile on people's faces and e- even though everything I've gone through is kind of tragic I still just like making it a bright and sunny day.
0: Awesome, <laughs> awesome. that's great to
3: hear. It happened very early. Um, I would say, you know, shortly after he was born um, he just was rejecting food. So I was nursing, and I would have a difficult time getting him to nurse, Um, and that was pretty much the entire first uh, year that I nursed him. And so I just thought that he was, you know, always wanted to play and wasn't in the mood to nurse, but I also thought that it was odd that, you know, here this, you know, small infant wasn't uh, eager to eat as most infants um, should be. So there was some concern there. One of the things that I knew without a doubt he would eat and he wanted um, and he would, you know, grab for with his hand was salads and um, fresh produce. I just, I thought it was odd that this small child um, who could, you know, barely talk wanted only salad. So um, I, of course, I accommodated him and I gave it to him, but again, the concern was that he wasn't gaining enough weight. And so, you know, even though that's great that he liked, you know, healthy food, we definitely needed to get more calories into his diet. Also, one of the biggest um, visual signs that I had was that he would have only a couple bites of food and his stomach would get very big. Um, you could literally see it. His most. stomach was round and then he had his ribs. His ribs were showing and only his um, belly would would be out, um, enlarged and swollen. And obviously that's a sign that there's something wrong with what you're feeding him or there's some type of GI issue. Um, digestion issue, something going on. So, Adrian started having what some might consider irritable bowel syndrome, where he would have constipation then diarrhea, constipation then diarrhea. He would have the bloating stomach. Um, He would curl up in a fetal position. um, And he would turn away food after um, a couple bites. And that was almost with everything that I fed him, with the exception of salad (laughs) Um, or, you know, some um, produce. And so that kind of began my struggle with trying to find food that I could feed him. It got worse. Um, He would cry in pain, he would hold his stomach. So as as his pain worsened and his symptoms worsened, um, I was calling the doctor saying, you know, hey, we gotta figure this out, there's a problem. Not once did any doctor suggest that we try to find out what the problem was. None of them did. Um, they all said, well, let's, Bring him in every week for an allergy shot. We're going to prescribe you prescription allergy medicine. Give it to him every day. Um, Did here's, they run allergy tests of no, any kind? No, they didn't run any allergy tests. We, I was completely um, unaware of what the core problem was uh, for Adrian and what was causing his pain, what was causing him to not want to eat. Um, I was completely unaware. The doctors were completely unaware, and they didn't seem to show any interest in figuring it out. They immediately wanted to set him up on a, um, you know, a regimen where he was taking pharmaceutical um, prescriptions. and um, Getting shots, and then um, there was also over the counter pain medicine and then prescription pain medicine for his pain. And, um, and then uh, heartburn. Wow. So I think it's called like Zantac, or, yeah. and then Zyrtec was the allergy. <laughs> so, you know, they, they started handing us all of these medications and said, okay, you're going to start your child on on all of these my concern was my child is in pain there's a problem he's not eating he's not gaining weight and their solution was well give him this pill so that he can eat and he probably has um you know acid reflux or something like that So this child isn't able to, um, you know, eat. He's, he's, he probably has malabsorption issues and it's preventing him from thriving, uh, physically at least. And so we finally, and, and I remember this very, very clearly because it was on Mother's Day. But on Mother's Day, he started vomiting daily. And, um, It just so happened that his younger brother also was vomiting, so we thought it was just a virus or a bug, and we didn't really think anything of it. And that was on Mother's Day. Well, his brother, I think within two days, got better. Adrian, um, over a month later on Father's Day, was still vomiting every single day. And I couldn't get him to stop. So when he had, um, you know, Threw up everything in his stomach, all the food and liquid, he would still be trying to throw up. Um, about every 15, 20 minutes, his body would automatically start to throw up. Yeah. And no food would come out, just um, yellow yeah, bile, bile um, liquid. I remember that. And yeah, yeah that was um, in a very emotional time for me. Um, because it, it was now so bold, boldly in our face, and it was here, and it wasn't going away. And despite the measures we had taken to try to help him, we failed. We failed over and over again. Um, regardless of changing pediatricians, um, we could not find um, any help or any answers.
0: In a new effort to finally find some help, Jamie took Adrian, now four and a half years old, to see a GI specialist who finally gave him an allergy test to check for food allergies.
3: And no food allergies at all. Zero. <laughs> Zip, diesel. Yeah. So that was um, a disappointment for us because every time I, you know, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel and I had a little hope that we were going to figure out what's wrong with um, my child, then we're starting all over again. So at that point, um, they said, well, let's just treat him uh, for allergies and let's give him the weekly shots and give him the pills. And um, we know he has allergies, so we want to give you some medicine for that.
0: With allergies eliminated from the equation and Adrian still suffering, Jamie's own research soon took things down a new path. She asked for an endoscopy on Adrian, which the doctor fought. As Adrian continued vomiting daily, Jamie demanded the endoscopy, concerned that Adrian had Crohn's or Celiac disease and it was going undiagnosed.
3: Celiac disease was negative. Crohn's disease was negative. Cancer, negative. He did have some um, inflammation. He had um, little holes in his stomach, which they said were a leaky gut. And uh, the one piece of information that the specialist gave us was that his blood work came back positive um, for a rejection of corn, soy, and wheat. Although he didn't have celiac, he, he didn't have food allergies, for whatever reason, his body was rejecting corn, soy, and wheat. So I was relieved that he didn't have some, you know, horrible disease and that it was really that simple that we could go home, eliminate those things, and hopefully I would have a normal boy who's not in pain. So that's what we did. I mean, we went home, and um, I looked in my refrigerator in my cabinet, and everything that I had in a box or a package had corn, soy, or wheat in it. So I was immediately overwhelmed. And uh, at that point, I just thought, wow, how am I gonna do this? As we made the decision to eliminate all corn, soy, and wheat from our entire household, Adrian immediately got better. Uh, Within, I would say, 48 hours of changing his diet to only um, homemade, whole foods, nothing packaged, no, definitely no corn, soy, or wheat. Um, within 48 hours, um, I had a new child. Um, it was the birth, it was the birth uh, of a new child, which was uh, very emotional, beautiful, beautiful to see that all of the pain that we had all endured, um, with his journey and trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Um, we finally figured it out and he started, uh, I think watching him run, um, was the highlight, um, for me because he never wanted to exert much energy doing anything. And then watching him eat, Watching him eat a lot was a joy. I felt like an old grandmother stuffing, you know, my grandchild, you know, and just getting so much joy out of watching him eat a large amount of food because in five years, he had never, ever eaten a large amount of food. Um, And these
4: days now, I love eating.
3: and, And he loves eating now. So, I mean, this is... This was literally the birth of a new child for us, and it brought um, so much relief and, and um, happiness to our lives. The next step was me going online and trying to educate myself a little more and try to understand why exactly would his body be rejecting corn sowing wheat. And in fact, most likely, his body was rejecting that from the time he was an infant. Uh, up until five years of age, so I did what you know any parent would do, probably, and I hopped online and looked up corn, soy, and wheat allergy in children, and I found something on the internet that has changed my life. And um, thank God it- for the internet. <laughs> and um, it was GMOs. Um, I had no idea what GMOs were and the fact that it's in our food supply and it had been added to our food supply without most people's knowledge. And so that was the beginning of a whole new um, kind of project that I took on. You know, and then I read about the FDA and how the FDA, you know, has never done a um, safety test on human con- the human consumption of genetically modified food, yet it's added an, into our food supply without any labeling, without any, you know, knowledge of it. So it, it, was, it was a huge concern for me. And I thought that my son's, um, part of my son's childhood was actually taken away from him. I had just gotten finished with dealing with a sick child for five years. To this day, I feel he didn't need to be sick. It was completely unnecessary. We had the ability to help him from day one, but I didn't have the answers, unfortunately. So, um, to this day, that still is upsetting to think about, that I could have helped him, but I I didn't know how to. You know, there came a point where I was angry that this had happened and that the American people weren't um, given the facts or information, and and not just the American people, but the professionals, the doctors, the specialists, that so many of them had no idea about GMOs um, in our food supply. after 18 months of eliminating all corn, soy, and wheat, I decided to um, reintroduce that back into his diet, except this time I would reintroduce it um, as an organic um, variety, uh, an heirloom or ancient seed variety grown without any pesticides, insecticides, as clean as I could get it. And I wanted to give him that to eat one at a time, of course, and wait and see if there was any type of uh, food rejection at that point. And so I decided to buy some ancient blue corn tortilla chips uh, that were organic, organically grown. And he had some of that and he had a lot of it because he (laughs) hadn't had had corn corn, in a long time. And one of, um, you know, growing up in Southern Arizona, something we've always loved is mexican food and um, we love chips and salsa and so none of us ate that for 18 months so we had a chips and salsa party (laughs) with uh, blue corn chips and adrian had zero response zero negative response to that and so um of course we waited like a week um for his body to you know, see if there would be any type of reaction. And he had none. So then it was time to test the wheat. And we tried an uh, ancient, sprouted, organic wheat. Again, zero reaction. Then we tried soy. Sprouted, organic, non-GMO soy. Adrian ate that. He had zero reaction. Um, still maintained high energy, had no pain, um, nothing at all, no reaction, no negative reaction that we could see. And so I basically was convinced after that uh, experiment that Adrienne is sensitive to genetically modified foods, um, whether it's the genetic modification itself, if it's the um, toxins that are built within the crop, um, or if it's heavy pesticide and insecticide use, or if it's a combination of all of those things, I don't have that answer. But I know that my child has, you know, had five years of of pain and suffering and reaction from corn, soy, and wheat, and um, it was only when we eliminated corn, soy, and wheat and um, pretty much all GMOs from our diets completely, 100%. Um, and, and, and then I saw um, a different child.
4: I'd have to say my strongest memory was basically the pain. So I can I still see vividly, like I can still um, see it. Like when I was hunched over in the bathroom, 3 o'clock a.m., be in the bathroom, vomiting. I would like just, it, it became like a like a schedule, an everyday thing. So I would just like, I was sleeping, and then all of a sudden I'd wake up, my stomach like in complete pain. And I could like tell when I was about to throw up. Like I knew. And so I would run to the bathroom I'd be like, Mom, I have to throw up. And she'd be like, okay sweetie. And she would get up right away. But like eventually over time, it was like a usual thing. And so this would keep happening day after day after day and it was so painful just I would go back to sleep after that like nothing ever happened then wake up vomiting until my stomach stomach was empty and it was just extremely painful so I didn't really have as much hope as my mom I didn't really think much about it I just thought like since I I wasn't at school I didn't know many other people and so it was mostly just me and my mom and I kind of thought Basically, since I was sick for that such a long period of time, I felt it was normal. Like, it kind of seemed like something that would always happen, and I didn't really realize that it was a bad thing. But I knew it hurt, and I knew it basically wasn't. I felt just, I didn't really know. I I wish I knew more about it when I was younger, and I could, like, communicate with my mom like when I was a baby I feel like I knew more about myself when I was a baby because I knew to reject the things and when I got older by the time like I was three I would eat it though but when I was a baby I wouldn't I just wish that I was more of a baby when I was older (laughs) I wish I was kind of always like that little baby and so like it felt normal to me to always be sick but I really wish I didn't have that feeling and so by the time gradually it changed and when I stopped becoming sick it was like a big weight just lifted lifted off my shoulders and I felt like I could do anything I wanted to like like my mom said I had more energy and I didn't feel like it was normal anymore I thought I felt like it was better to not be sick and so basically after time I got better and I felt just happier and more safe and I really wish I was always more of that little baby.
1: So honestly, your
4: own opinion, do you think GM crops are safe for all human beings, all human being consumption?
3: I'm a scientist and a mom. In fact, my kids are a little bit younger than you. So I am really active at at looking at the science, and I really care about the health of my family just like you care about the health of yours. And my belief, based on the body of data that I've seen, and of course we learn more every day as a scientist, and I hope you become one because you've got a great active mind, is that the overwhelming body of data says that GM crops are safe.
4: Well, I have this picture. picture right here. This is a picture of me when I was younger after ingesting GM crops into my body. This is me. Does that look, you know, natural for humans? Just to be covered head to toe in a rash? Could you show the burning, itchy? Thank you. Gone, Thank you, sir. It's natural? Thank you, sir. Thank you. We have to move on to the next question. Don't Thank you. Off.
3: For our family, we don't negotiate. There is no negotiating on, okay, we can eat GMOs on the weekends, just not Monday through Friday. We don't do that um, because he lost, you know, half of his life you know he's 10 years old so half of his life was filled with pain and discomfort and insecurity and once I knew how to fix it I did and I will never willingly take him back there to where he once was the journey that I took was
4: not something to um, feel bad for but to something to gain from it's like it's like a little token that you can remember that there's even in the darkest times, there's always hope and you just have to keep going and reach for it and eventually you'll get to your destination.
0: Okay, first off, big thanks to Brittany, Jamie and Adrian for sharing their stories with us so we could share them with all of you. I said this podcast would kick off the full activism side to our work in the GMO controversy, the key point where you could start to make a big difference. And now that you've seen the two interviews, let's dive a little deeper. We now have specific symptoms from two different people who slowly, over time, discovered GMOs were causing serious problems with their health. We also talked about this to a much lesser extent back on an earlier podcast. But what you've seen today takes it to a whole new level and it gives us much more clarity. Letting a company like Monsanto push out yet another substance all over the world and this time into our food supply no less, now shows a clear and present danger to our health, and the biggest problem we're facing in all this is that hardly anyone knows about it. If GMOs were properly vetted, we would have uncovered issues like Brittany's and Adrian's before any products ever hit the market. But since they weren't, and since they've been hidden on our food for two decades now, we unfortunately need to figure this out for ourselves. That means letting everyone know that GMOs can wreak havoc on the stomach, and it's not coming from some hypothesis anymore. It's not coming from some irrational hatred of science or from some overzealous activist. It's coming from a woman who, dating back to when she was only 11 years old, lost nearly two decades of a healthy life to something hidden in the food she ate. And it's coming from a boy who lost the first five years of his life to a horrible health nightmare that no doctor could even pinpoint because no one knew to investigate the food Adrienne was eating as a potential cause for his health issue. Yes, Adrian lost five years of his life, and the rest of his family suffered with him as they struggled to find answers while watching a little boy go through such a terrible ordeal to start his time on this earth. So whatever we've talked about before, about what might be happening, I'm sorry to say it, but now it is happening. And we need to decipher exactly why it's happening and what's causing it. And it may not be easy to isolate the problem because it's not like we're talking one specific seed one specific crop at this point we can't be sure exactly what it is in GMO foods that's the culprit here in fact as you'll see in the next podcast there's strong reason to believe that even if glyphosate does play a part there's very likely another piece to this equation that's barely being talked about right now also one argument you will undoubtedly hear is look you're only talking about two people the video is great but it's still just two people it's not like whatever the problem is with GMOs that it's making tons of people sick To that line of questioning, I personally would say this. It's not like I've been traveling all over the country or all over the world talking to millions of people already. We've only reached a very small segment of the U.S. so far, and yet we've already found two people within a close circle of me that have been made chronically ill. And look, they're speaking up because, let's face it, their stories are terrible. How would you feel if you lost all that time in your life to health problems that could have easily been avoided? Of course, we don't know how many people react to the same things Brittany and Adrienne react to, and we don't know if there is a big variable scale on how people are affected. Two weeks ago, I spoke to about 75 kids at a local high school, and one of them was dealing with the exact same symptoms as Adrienne. If she turns out to be the third person already, the question is, how many children are too many? And what are all the effects? Do we see absolutely no effect on a large percentage of people? Or are there smaller, more subtle issues occurring that people have no idea to check for? Are there more quiet health problems lurking in the background here? And do people have some varying degrees of symptoms, but like Brittany did for several years, just think it's normal to feel that way? Or does whatever the problem is within GMO foods instead tend to have a small cumulative effect that eventually rears its ugly head over time? We don't know, but we've got to figure this out. So we need to discover the true root cause. Is it from a chemical like glyphosate? Does it stem from the actual genetic modification of the seeds? Is it both? Is it something else entirely? There's a lot of work to be done here to truly get to the bottom of all this. And if you really wanted to help but didn't know how, now's your chance to be a huge help in resolving the GMO controversy. There will be much more on the way in 2018 as well. We're really just getting started, but here's what you can do right now. First off, Anyone in your circle of family, friends, coworkers, etc. that mentions having stomach problems or chronic inexplicable headaches or migraines, let them know about GMOs and show them this podcast as a starting point. Then they can see for themselves that this is indeed a real thing, that GMOs are most certainly a suspect, and that they're not alone in suffering through some inexplicable symptoms. Your goal there is to simply provide the knowledge and awareness so they can check for themselves to see if GMOs are indeed the cause of the health problems or suffering. We're also hearing talk of potential fertility issues. So if anyone in your circle of influence is trying unsuccessfully to have a baby, that's also a person worth mentioning this to. I recently had someone in my own circle go through an absolute ordeal trying to get pregnant. But she never eliminated GMOs from her diet first to see if that made a difference before taking some very, very aggressive measures. Now in stark contrast, during the video you just saw, Brittany actually was pregnant and on her first try no and that's despite having some serious concerns going in. We'll let you know more as we uncover it on the fertility side, but in the meantime, I'd be remiss not to mention that this is something we're also looking into. Okay, the second way you can help. You or anyone else in your circle who has clearly determined that GMOs are causing a health problem, tell us. Visit the link you see here and let us know what problem you've attributed to GMOs in your diet, and be specific as you possibly can. The more details and any clear evidence you can give us, the better. Also, let us know if you've contacted the FDA, and of course, optionally, let us know if you'd be willing to appear in our documentary. And third, if you did uncover a GMO-related health problem and did not call the FDA, please take a moment, either right now or as soon as possible, to call them and record it on video for us. We want videos of people affected by GMOs calling the FDA to report the problem, because making sure this is a well-reported problem will be a big part of our efforts in 2018. Details on calling the FDA, recording it, and sharing it with us on Facebook or via other means are all also on the page we're showing you right here. And of course, we put a link to this right on the podcast page itself over at walkamileproject.com. Last of all, if you run any kind of health or nutrition practice, We're putting together a special version of this podcast for you to play wherever you see fit at your practice to help raise awareness of the situation. Just contact us toll-free at 866-925-7037 and we'll get that out to you as soon as it's available. All right, it's time to wrap this up. Really quickly, let's just review those three key ways you can help right now. Number one, share this podcast. Share it with anyone in your circle of family, friends, coworkers, etc. who mentions having stomach problems or chronic inexplicable migraines. Let them see for themselves that this is a real thing and consider mentioning it to people dealing with fertility issues as well. Number two, visit this page and tell us if you've identified a health problem clearly caused by GMOs. And number three, call the FDA to report any of those health problems and record it on video so you can send it to us. And of course, if you want to help us directly, head over to walkamileproject.com and subscribe to the Walkamile Project. It's less than $5 a month or volunteer, or even just give a one-time donation. Any of those, make a huge difference in our work. So thank you for whatever support you give. As you can clearly tell by now, we are all in this together. As for the GMO health issues situation, we have one more keystone to overturn in the next podcast. And then after that, in GMO truth number 15, we're hoping to give you clear steps on how to find out for yourself if GMOs are affecting your own health. I know that's probably the number one thing we'll get questions on after this episode, and we will have that for you, but it won't be ready until we go down one more crazy rabbit hole. But look, The bottom line is this whatever you thought before about GMOs, wherever you stood on this controversy before today, there is one crystal clear path to take moving forward in the current food environment, and that is proceed with caution. When two people lose nearly 25 combined years of their lives due to our haphazard approach to first putting GMOs into our food supply, it's time to strongly apply the brakes here and start getting to the bottom of exactly what's going on. So, for the first time here in the GMO controversy, all sides should now agree, at least on one thing, which is that caution is imperative. There's clearly enough evidence on the table at this point to warrant as much. If you can't see that, then you really should walk a mile in Adrienne's or Brittany's shoes and let me know what you see then. And that, my friends, is the GMO truth. You've been listening to the Walk a Mile Project's GMO Truth podcast. To stay up to date on new podcasts or learn more and join in on our GMO investigation and upcoming feature film, head over to walkamileproject.com and sign up for free anytime, 24/7. And that is how we discover the truth and change the world together.